Well, as expected, we're in Philippians chapter 1, verse 9. We're just going to cover a couple of verses here tonight. Philippians chapter 1, verse 9. Last week we were looking especially at the good work that God is doing in us. Sometimes we can lose sight of how good that work is or that God is actually bringing it about. But He will, and He will continue to do it until we go home, until Jesus comes. But He picks up here in verse 9, And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in the knowledge, in knowledge and all discernment. This I pray. Now, there's a lot of prayers that go on for people. Sometimes I kind of wonder as to the prayers that people have for other, other Christians. Just You just wonder if they actually open the Bible and read, read stuff. But um, when Paul's saying he's praying something, you know this is going to be good. There's one particular uh, brother in Christ. I don't think anybody here knows him. But I, I know we communicate mostly on Facebook. And... Um, he was going through a, a, a very tough battle and a, with a disease. And as we, as uh, things progressed, uh, you know, he was he eventually got over it and was healed. Had some surgeries and things of that nature. But uh, not too long ago, maybe a month or so ago, month or two, he posted up on there that uh, the disease had come back, and he asked everybody to pray. And all these Christians jumped in there and said, well, "We're praying for you." And I'm just wondering, what exactly are you praying for? Are you praying for God to move again? Are you praying for God to change his mind? That maybe God changed his mind back, that he wants them sick? Um, I just, I wonder, what are people praying for? We have to be careful when we're praying for, when we're praying for sick people. What are we praying for for them? Are we praying for their faith? Well, that's a good thing to pray for them. We can pray for their faith. Uh, we can stand in agreement. We've talked about that before. But really, I hear a lot of these Christians, and they're, they're praying. They, he said a lot of other things in the, in the post and stuff. And I told somebody there was a mutual acquaintance of ours, and I said, if, if he was in my church, I'd slap him. And I've had to do that with people in the church. I just don't tell anybody publicly when I have to go up there and slap them. I don't usually tell them, even though I'm going up there and slapping them. I just, uh, you know, you just have to, you have to wake some people up. Because some people will talk on some things and they'll, they'll, they'll get themselves killed. This person is talking in such a way they will get themselves killed. They will die because of the way they're talking. Now, they do it all in faith and they do it in such things that, that it sounds like it's faith. It's not. It's unbelief. And, and uh, I tell you what, it just disguises itself. But be careful. If you're going to pray for other believers, make sure you pray in a manner of which the Bible explains that we should. We have examples of people doing it because sometimes we just think, well, just because I'm praying for somebody, it's got to be a good thing. And that is not always a good thing. There's many stories I go back to, but one I've, I know I've related to you. How many remember uh, Brother Hagen talking about Sister Gray? <laughs> that one always gets me. You, you got to be careful. Brother Hagen ended that story with these words. Through prayer, I think this is what um, he heard from, from God. I don't think it was just his words. But through prayer, you can put people into the hands of God. And through prayer, you can take them out. Now, don't be fearful if other people are praying for you in the wrong way. 
I've heard people pray for me in the wrong way. I just laugh at it. First off, I never asked them to pray. And uh, they're not going to negate, their unbelief is not going to negate my faith. Someone else's unbelief cannot negate your faith. Don't worry about that. They can go off on all the unbelief they want to. Uh, you want a case, an example of that, go over to the book of Acts. And Peter is in prison. And Peter gets brought out of prison. And we find out that the people that are in the prayer room praying for him are in unbelief. Because he comes to the door and they don't believe he's there. <laughs> so don't worry about the people being in unbelief praying for you. You keep yourself in, in faith. Anyway, that's not really our topic here. But Paul here is once again praying for believers. And if you see Paul pray in a certain way for believers, just know you can pray that way too. It's a good prayer. We see some of his prayers in, in uh, Colossians. One prayer in Colossians, two prayers in Ephesians. Colossians chapter 1, Ephesians chapter 1, Ephesians chapter 3. Those are good prayers to pray for yourself as well as other people. He prayed them for other people. But you can pray them for yourself and you can pray them for other people as well. But he says this, And this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment. So he's praying for the love. Now, when we get born again, do we have the love of God? The love of God is poured out in our hearts. But apparently that love can grow. And this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and on discernment. Now the word there for love is the word that you would expect agape. May abound means to abound, to overflow, to be abundantly furnished with, to have in abundance, abound in a thing. That your love may abound, overflow, that you have more love than you need. That's what he's praying for. And that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment. So he's talking about this love going and abounding in a particular direction, in the direction of knowledge. Now, the word there for knowledge is the Greek word epinosis. It comes from the Greek word epi, which means upon, and gnosis, which is to know. Now, I got this from, uh, pulled this right out of Rick Renner's book. When you compound these two words together, they form the word that means to come upon or to happen upon some kind of knowledge and carries the idea of making a discovery. Carries the idea of making a discovery. Now, you make a discovery because you continue to go at a thing. You don't make a discovery just coming upon it once. You keep pursuing it and pursuing it and pursuing it and going after it and looking for, for more and more things. And that, and oh, here's this. Oh, here's this. Because you keep pressing into it. So he's talking about having a knowledge based on love, that your love is, is growing based on this, this knowledge of this person and you continue to press in to the knowledge of this person or the knowledge of this thing. It might be the knowledge of God. It might be the knowledge of the Word. It, might, it can be a lot of different things. I, I read this first as I was going through this looking at people's love towards each other but it very much could also be their love towards God. So this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment. So up in epinosis carries the idea of discovery. Now what does love look for? If love is out there discovering things, if love is out there looking for things, what kind of things does love look for? 
Now you hear Christians, this letter is written to Christians. We're talking about your relationship to other Christians as well as your relationship to God. What kind of things does love look for? Well, if you go over to 1 Corinthians, love looks for good things. Not bad things, good things. It believes the best in things. But how many Christians are going around discovering bad things about each other? (laughs) That's not what this is talking about. And that's not that love growing. You should be finding out good things on other people. You should be getting happier about other people instead of sadder. That's what we should, should be doing. Our love should abound in such a way that we go out, we're trying to discover things, and we are looking. It's not go the opposite way of the media. The media is always looking for whatever it can do that's negative, whatever it can do to pull things down, whatever it can do to pull things apart. You go the opposite way. This word here for, for discernment or judgment, depending upon your translation, comes from from the word that means insight, perception, discernment, or judgment. So he's talking about that this love should abound and that we should have the knowledge and the discernment or judgment that goes along with it. So knowledge as far as what you're discovering, but then insight. You need to have some insight. A lot of times we come up with insight. Well, I think this person means... And we have insight on this, this type of thing. And sometimes insight is just plain wrong. We're not necessarily called for that. But it's, it's, a, it's a judgment. Now, if the knowledge is on the good side, shouldn't the judgment also be on the good side? We're basing this out of love. We ought to be looking for the, the, the good kind of insight on other people. But, you know, we'll sometimes sit back there and say, well, I don't know that their motives are pure. <laughs> Trying to have that judgment on on things, and this goes on amongst the church. I mean, and certainly it goes out there in the world, but it goes on amongst the amongst the church as well. We have to um, we have to make sure that the insight we have is based on and comes from the love that we're growing in. The enemy loves to stir up strife, and he wants to give you judgments and insight. And discernment. I always love those people who come up. We talked about it before. It's not new to any of you folks, but you know I have the gift of discernment. That's yeah, garbage. Throw it out the window. There is no gift of discernment in the Bible. There is the gift of discerning of spirits, but there is not a gift of discernment. Gift of discernment is just basically a gift of judging other Christians, because that's what they use it for, and that's not in the Bible. Now, what kind of insight is God going to give you? What kind of insight is love going to give you towards other people? Well, it's going to be positive. It's going to be good. This is what we ought to be be having. But too often, we'll pick up insight. We'll pick up knowledge of people in a negative area. And we'll go with it. You know, you, you ought to throw that stuff out. Get rid of it. You don't necessarily need that. Now, I'm not saying that there's never a time that you have to deal with anything negative. But we just deal with, we just jump on the negative board way too much. Don't go out there on the negative side. Stay on the area of the positive. Now read this together with verse 10. And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment. In knowledge and all discernment. These are the kind of things that we need to, to, to grow in. 
And this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent. That you may approve the things that are excellent. Now, the word there for prove, we have talked about this word before. I wrote it, wrote it down for you. It's in your outline. So you have this. It means something that has been tested and found to be true and genuine. Something that has been tested and found to be true and genuine. Now, I didn't put this in your outline. It's in mine. Something that is authentic, reliable, approved, trustworthy, and real. Something that is authentic, reliable, approved, trustworthy, and real. That you may approve the things that are excellent. That you may approve. That in other words, you're going to take these things. Walk. In, this is the basis of it. The love that is growing, that is based upon a discovery of knowledge and a discerning or judgment, both in the area positive, that you may approve those things that are excellent. So I have to go up to these things and approve them and say, this is good. This is beneficial. This is going to be helpful. This is something that we can approve of. This is something that we can bring in. But it's based off this approval process is based on that love. If we are not operating in this kind of love with that kind of knowledge and discernment or judgment, how are we going to be equipped to approve these things? And we are. This is where a lot of Christians have a problem. We're not in this kind of love. But we're out there trying to approve things that are excellent. And what happens is we don't approve the right things and we do approve the wrong things because of this area of the love that's off. Get the area of love back on. Paul is praying for them that their love may abound, that it may grow. And this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment that you may approve the things that are excellent. Now, these are things that are excellent. Let's just take a look at this in relationship to yourself. If I am going to bring things in for myself that are excellent, that are good, that are beneficial, then I need to operate in this kind of love with this kind of knowledge and this kind of discernment. If I don't, then I am ill-equipped to approve. And I'm going to be bringing things in that are not for my benefit. If I look at this towards it in relationship to other people, I'm going to be bringing things in that are not for their benefit. Now, you'll find people all the time in the body of Christ. And some people have other folks' best interest in mind. And some people have their own. And we have to be careful. We have to be careful about that. You know, that's, uh, it's really easy, for, especially in Christians, especially in church. We can get off on, on things and we can, we can decide what someone else needs. Have you ever had somebody decide what you need? I think we've all been in that kind of a situation. You know, where, where people, you know, when I was, I think I've told you this story before, but when I was an assistant pastor, I was single. And it seemed to be the job of most of the people in the church to find that special someone for me because I was not doing an adequate enough job. And so they would... Uh, venture out to, to do certain things and to, to move in certain ways. And, of course, that just made me resistant to them. 
to their, their efforts and so forth. But it got to be so, so bad that if I sat next to a girl, in, and I was a youth leader. I was the assistant pastor. I was a youth pastor. Did both. So in Sunday morning, we had a whole section that we sat in. And so if I sat there and sat next to a girl in the youth group, rumors would fly. So I had to eventually leave sitting in that area. And I had to sit. I, I picked a place. There, was a, there were uh, three front pews. And uh, the, the right front pew was taken up with the, the youth. The youth, right, a couple of uh, pews, they were taken up with the, with, I'm sorry, the left side. The button. Well, if you're from the congregation side, this side, the left side uh, would be there. That the center one, no one sat in. No one ever sat in the front center pew. They sat on that side, and they sat on this side in the front, and no one ever sat here. So guess where I sat? I sat right here, because no one else sat there. Therefore, I was never sitting next to anybody. And then I have an internal clock that would go off because if I talked to a guy in the youth group, there's no big deal. But if I talked to a girl in the youth group for longer than five minutes, things would begin to, to swirl. So I, have a, I just started an internal clock. I need to move on. And I would just move on from the conversation over here and, and just go over and just, <laughs> I just didn't need all that sort of stuff. Because people are out there, they're trying to figure, oh, I liked, yeah, I like him with her. That's a good one. We like that. And... We just didn't need to have all that sort of stuff going on. So, people out there, they just they just want to. You know, it seems like all the married people are trying to get all the single people married, and that's not necessarily the way to the way to go. Now, eventually, I did get married, and uh, didn't not from any of the efforts that they'd put on, but eventually, yeah, those kind of things did did uh, did happen. But you know, besides even just uh, that thing, there are people in there who had certain doctrines. And I remember this one time that this, this particular doc, I despised, despised with everything in me, but I'm the assistant pastor. It's not my business to set the doctrine of the church or the direction of who was coming in and so forth. And so this, this group was coming in. It wasn't an official church thing, so I didn't have to be there. They were using the church. So I'm the assistant pastor. I don't have to be there because this is not a church, church official thing. So they were coming in. They were doing a weekend thing. And anybody, was there anybody ever around for inner healing? An inner healing group was coming in. And if you have never heard it, don't look it up. It is not worth the time. It is a waste of time. It was terrible doctrine. It was uh, never set anybody free. All it did was put people in bondage and uh, never helped anybody at all. And this one group, uh, this one couple, they were part of the elder board that was there and uh, this church was kind of run by the elder board not the pastor it was kind of a backwards setup that they had but anyway these, uh, this couple that was on there they were very much into inner healing so they had been instrumental in bringing this whoever it was I don't know if it was a couple if it was individual whoever it was they were coming out and uh, they were coming in the weekend and they approached me and said are you coming out for this I said oh no and I said it in such a way that, oh, no, 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 <laughs> that kind of a, I conveyed that because I wanted to convey that. Oh, they said, we were disappointed. We were really thinking they'd help you. I said, well, it wouldn't help me at all. <laughs> I, was very, I was very straightforward with them. And now there was, uh, they're trying to, you know, this is going to benefit you. No, it's not. There's no scriptural basis for any of that. What they want to do is dig back into your past and they, they want to, you know, try and get you to uh, focus on this. No, focus on the word. Paul writes, leaving behind those things. and Leave them behind. You know, you had a bad childhood. So what? Get over it. You can't 
keep going back to it and try and... Well, anyway, this, that's what inner healing was trying to, to do. And I never did show up. We constantly clashed on this, this area and on this thing with this uh, particular elder that was there. But you see, sometimes people get an idea of what's good, but it's not based on love. It's based on the love of a doctrine. It's, see, these, these particular groups, these particular two elders, loved people to depend on them. They loved to go over to people's houses and have them talk with them and, and need them and spend time with them and that they would, uh, you know, they, they would cultivate relationships. They loved that. I didn't. I want people to learn how to stand up on their own, learn the word of God, and fight their own battles. That's what I wanted people to learn. They didn't. So what attracted them was not something that attracted me. Now, I had basis for it in the Word. I thought that's what Paul, Paul did. Paul went out there. He's trying to get people to, to raise up and do things on their, on their own. These folks didn't want to do it that way. But you know, we have to be careful. I have to be careful myself. Am I in love with this doctrine, this teaching, because it's based out of the love of God that abounds in knowledge and judgment? Or is it something that I just have a pet peeve for? I've always keep. I got to keep bringing myself back to that all the time. Is this out of the right kind of love? Because if it's not, we'll lead people down the wrong way. We got to keep checking that out. That you may approve the things that are excellent. You see, the things that are excellent, just because they're excellent, doesn't mean they're going to be used or they're going to be good. You have to approve them. It's much like if you were on a sports team, and the coach approves certain exercises. Certain things to, uh, to, to, to bring things about, to get things done. He has to go out there and look at all the different um, things that you can do and approve certain ones and bring them on in. And he's got to have a reason for, for bringing them in. And, you know, when I was a coach of a basketball team. There was an exercise. I absolutely loved this exercise. Loved this exercise. I fell in love with it. At every practice, we would do this. And what it did was it got our team in great shape and we would always outlast the other team. But the other guys, they didn't know why I loved this. Well, it was a drill that we had yet to have a full, full basketball court. And what you did was, and it worked, the less people you had, the better this drill worked to a degree. You know, if only have three people, it's not going to work too much. But what you would do is you would, you would dribble the ball. You would catch the ball on a rebound. And then you would dribble the ball all the way down to the other end and do a layup. And there's another guy over there who would get the layup. And as soon as he got the layup, he'd dribble it all the way on back over to the other side and he'd do a layup. And there's another guy over there who's practicing rebounding and they get the rebound. And uh, the less guys you had, the more reps you would do and the less rest you would get. So if you've got 10 guys, you could rest for a little while in between each one. But if you only had the less, less guys you have, the less rest you have. So what ended up happening was you had a reason for doing wind sprints because you're running back and forth as fast as you could. And it got them in good shape. And I fell in love with that because it got them in shape. They thought I, you know, he just liked it because they were practicing rebounding, were practicing layups and things like that. There's other reasons for it. But you see, I saw that and I approved it. I said, this is going to be good. This is going to be beneficial. And we bring that on into the thing. You know, we have teachers in, in school, English teachers, and they approve certain papers. You have to approach and say, I'm going to do this paper. And they would approve whether that topic was good or not. I don't know what they would use for, for basis of that, but they would approve. Yeah, that would be a good topic. Go ahead and do that. Yeah, you can find enough stuff on that, whatever it might be. But this is the idea, that you approve the things that are excellent. Just because there are excellent things out there does not mean they will come into your life until you approve them. 
You have to say, this is good. This is good. It, you know, if we want to get on a diet, we have to approve that this diet is good. I can look at that diet and say, I don't like that diet. I don't want any part of that diet. And we reject it. We reject it. This is not an excellent diet. Don't, don't like this, this diet. You know, not just in that. You know, Corey might be going out there. He may go, go into the Best Buy. What's he looking for? He's looking for movies to approve. <laughs> he's, look, he's looking for movies. He'll look at this. No. He'll say, don't like this movie. Throw this one back. Oh, I like this one. Now, he may have many different reasons for approving that. One might be I already have it. One might be as boring. Or maybe that's, uh, there's no, no real redeeming value. Whatever it might be, there's, there's reasons. You look at that and you approve it. It may be an excellent movie, but if we don't approve it and bring it home, we're never going to see it. How many of y'all know there's some excellent movies out there we've never seen? Never seen them. There's some bad movies we have seen. <laughs> there's some bad movies out there we say, oh, I wish I hadn't sat there the whole time and watched that, watched that movie. But... Um, You've got to prove these things. Folks, there are some excellent stuff out there that is awaiting your approval to get put into, into your life. But the reason it's not approved yet is we're not walking in the type of love that works on knowledge and judgment. And therefore, we haven't approved those things that are excellent. And they're not in our life because we haven't approved them. That you may approve the things that are excellent. The word there for excellent, this is a very interesting word here, especially for the way it's translated. It means to differ or surpass, be better, carry differ from, or differ from, drive up and down, be more excellent or be of more value. Now, I, did I put this in your, no, I didn't put it in your outline, it is in the outline later on. The New Century Version translates this this way. Listen to this. This is verse, verse 10. That you will see the difference between good and bad. That you will see the difference between good and bad. Now let me read that. That you may approve the things that are excellent. Instead of excellent, it puts this. That you will see the difference between good and bad. Got a little wordy in there to, to, to do it. But the idea of excellent here is a difference. The difference between what is good and, the, and those things that are bad. A good movie, a bad movie. A good diet, a bad diet. A good exercise, a bad exercise. See the difference? Not just things that are excellent, but that you discern the difference between that that is good and that which is bad. That you will see the difference between good and bad and will choose the good. And we'll see, it's, it's not good enough just to determine what is good and what is bad. You must also choose it. You must also choose those things. Now, I'll use Corey again on this one. Corey and I were having a discussion <laughs> earlier, and I think in the beginning of the year, he told me all the fast food restaurants he wiped off. He, I'm not, not eating. Is that still going on? And this is, uh, this is, this is uh, a while now. Uh, not, and he told me some of them. I said, really, that one? Because I discerned, I have dis- decided that that one, was, what was one of the ones that I decided was good and you said was bad? Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A. All right. And I mostly, when I go to Chick-fil-A, I go for a salad. I don't really go for the chicken sandwiches and stuff. Uh, I love Chick-fil-A, but their chicken, sa- chicken sandwiches are boring. 
That's just my opinion. They need to they need to dress them up. They need to do something with these things. It's uh, it's just a little bit boring to to me. Yeah, if you don't like mayonnaise on your chicken sandwich or something, it's, it's, this is kind of boring to me. So I like this. If I go there, I'm just getting the salad and and pretty much going with that. The nuggets are good, but you know, I can understand. You know, there's not a whole lot of variety there. Chipotle though, that's not on. That's a good one, right? No, that was that the other one. Oh, okay. So I see Chipotle is a is a. To me, that's a good, healthy alternative. This is, this is, a, this is all right. So you see, we're, we're discerning. This, this is good. This is bad. But it's not good, good enough just to say McDonald's is bad. We also have to not choose it. If I make the discernment and decide the difference between good and bad, McDonald's, bad. Burger King, bad. Who else? Checkers. I've, I ate there one time. Is it good? I never went back, so I don't know how good it was. There was one down in the city I was in. I was delivering down there, and there's a check. I never ate there. Ate there and said, ah, I never really wanted to go back, so never, uh, never did it again. Is it great? Maybe that's why I never went back there and, and did anything more with it. But, um, you know, we, it, it's not just you can, you can make all these decisions and say, I, McDonald's is bad for me. I'm gaining weight there. I'm gaining um, cholesterol. It's doing this to me, whatever it might be. You can decide this is no good, but then hungry, nothing around but a McDonald's. What do you do? Well, I guess I'll choose it. I guess I'll go ahead and do it. And we, we pull that thing on in. Why? That you will see the difference between good and bad and will choose the good. Now, you don't have to write any of that down. I put it in your outline. It's just there at the end. I gave you the entire translation in the New Century Version because it really did a nice job with it. Don't read it now. We'll read it later. (laughs) (laughs) That you will see the difference between good and bad and will choose the good. So you've got to operate in this love. Not just love. Not just love, but just... This is love is based on knowledge and judgment. And that you will, go, you will see the difference between what is good and beneficial and what is bad. And not only will you see the difference, but you will decide, I will stay with the good. I have determined that that is bad. So I'm not going to bring that in. I've determined that that way of thinking is bad. I have determined that worry is is bad. I've determined that fear is bad. I've determined that it, believing these reports, this is bad. This is not good for me. I'm not going to focus on the negative things about people. I'm going to focus on the positives. You've already you made that decision. You have decided, but now you face life, and here's an opportunity to worry. Now, I've already decided this is bad. But I have to choose to not do it. Now, most of us know from the Word of God that worry is bad, right? Does it stop us from doing it? And that's what he's talking about here. That if you operate in this kind of love, with this kind of knowledge, and this kind of judgment, this can happen. That you will see the difference between good and bad, and will choose the good. You will choose the good. See, most of us, we've decided between good and bad, but I'm not always choosing the good. Sometimes I go and I, I, I choose the bad. And I say, well, it's, I know this is not the best thing for me, but, you know, I really want to. Uh, you know, I haven't had 
Haven't had chocolate cake in a long time. I think I deserve a piece of chocolate cake. Yeah, that'll, that'll get you far. Done real well in your spending, keeping your credit cards down, and you did, you did real well for a month. I think I deserve a new car. I'll just blow everything out of the water, won't it? That you will see the difference between good and bad and will choose the good. Continuing to read in the New Century Version. And that you will be pure and without, a, without wrong for the coming of Christ. That you will be pure and without wrong for the coming of Christ. Now here it puts it in the New King James. That you may be sincere and without offense to the day of Christ. That word there for sincere means judged by sunlight. What this word was actually used for was that they would take wine and hold it up to the sunlight to see the color of the, of the wine and make a judgment upon it. I am not a wine connoisseur. I could hold that thing to the sunlight between now and the time the sun sets and it would not tell me a thing about that glass of wine. But for some people, it will. You know, I've seen them on the movies. You know, they, they look at that. They smell. They do all these different things to it before they even taste it. And I... I I don't know. It wouldn't help me. Of course, once I tasted it, I'd be just spitting it out. I just do not like... There is no wine in the world that I like. How do I know that? I don't. I tasted like two. And they were all horrible. All horrible. Absolutely. I've never gone anything stronger than that. I, I'm absolutely positive it's the alcohol in the wine that I can't stand. Absolutely positive. Because the same thing drives me crazy about beer. And I've never tasted beer. I told you I had to serve it. Could not take it on my hands. The smell on my hands would drive me crazy. If I ever had to serve the beer for the help the waitresses out, I had to wash my hands every time. So I would generally try and find somebody else. I'll help them out with carrying pizzas out. I'd help them out with all sorts of stuff. Get your own beer. Cost was too much having to keep going back and washing their hands. Um, so that's why I determined that all wines are bad for me. I'm not going to like because I just don't like the underlying ingredient that's in all of them. I'm not telling you that alcohol is bad. I'm telling you it's bad for me. I don't like it. I do not, don't like it. Oh, I don't even like the smell of it. But anyway, that's just, uh, that's just a personal thing for, for me. Don't take anything more serious from it than that. But here it means to judge by sunlight, wine held up to the light, tested as genuine, pure, sincere. So he's saying this, that you may be sincere, that you may be held up to the light, and that the light would show you as being pure, as being genuine, as being real. That's what he's talking about. That you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense to the day of Christ. So here's the progression. He's praying for, I want this love of you to abound. When that love abounds, based on knowledge, epignosco, and judgment or discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere. See, if I approve the things that are excellent, and I bring things in my life, that are excellent and reject those things that are bad, what happens to my purity? 
going to increase. It's going to get better. That you may be sincere and without offense to the day of Christ. Now, the word there for offense is to basically mean that you would be inoffensive, not leading into sin, faultless, um, void of or without offense, no cause for stumbling. That's what that word is talking about. That you may be sincere, held up to the light and proved to be genuine, and without offense, that there is nothing in you that would offend or lead another person astray. Not saying that people can get offended over you. Because the whole world out there gets offended over people who do things right. I saw that. I did not watch the Grammys. I think it's, is that the one that was on Sunday? The Grammys? I didn't, uh, didn't, didn't watch that. But I heard, saw a picture of this one girl who came on out and she had a dress and she put on there um, a Trump all in the back and Make America Great down the front. <laughs> now, no one ever heard of this girl before. I saw the stats on this thing. She is actually a singer. Anybody know Joy somebody, I think it is? I think that's who, I, don't even, I do not know who she was before. Don't really know who she was now. I did not bother to look her up. But here's the stats on her. She has a record. And that record was in 580... Thousand five hundred eighty. Um, how does how do you say this? Five hundred thousand place. There was like five hundred over five hundred thousand albums rated ahead of hers. I didn't even know they rated them down that low. So as far as who sold albums for the last month, hers was almost six hundred thousand below at the bottom of the list. In one day, she went from. Number 580,000 to number three. Number three. The next day, she was number one. (laughs) How about that one? Now, that's just America saying we're tired of the media telling us who we should like and who we shouldn't. And they're just going out there and making it. I guess that's that's all that that was. was (laughs) But, you know, the media just gets fed up with all this stuff and they want to tell you this one is no good this one likes this I mean that, who was that, that Toby somebody or other uh, performance at the, at the um, inauguration Toby Keith all right, and they got all up in arms because he did this and they wanted him flogged and everything else I heard him come out I didn't watch the inauguration to see, uh, see all that stuff, but I heard him come out and he says you know what he said I did the inauguration for President Obama I did the inauguration for President Bush so why shouldn't I do the inauguration for President Trump? It's like, all right, he's, he's been bouncing back on different sides. He just went out there and did the inauguration. But now suddenly, <laughs> this is the problem. Because they want to tell you who it is that you can accept and who it is that you cannot. Sometimes you just like to get in there and just mess with them. But see, there's, there's a world out there and they get offended at everything. We're not t- this word is not talking about that you would live your life so that those people are not offended. Not talking about that at all. You know, I think Jesus actually lived his life with the purpose of offending people like that. Now, how do I know that? Because when the, when the Sabbath came, what did Jesus look to do? Anybody need some healing? <laughs> remember, the, remember the guy with the withered hand? It's a Sabbath. Everybody's looking around. What's he going to do? What's he going to do? What's he do? <laughs> Stand up. <laughs> What's he doing? You want to get offended at something? Here, get offended at this. So he did, he did not live his life in such a way to keep people from being offended. 
But what he, this verse is talking about is the things that are in your life are pure. What was in Jesus' life that was offending other people? I'm healing people. I'm taking people who are bound and we're setting them free. And you get offended at that? Yeah, well, that's what they do. That you may approve the things that are excellent. That you may be sincere and without offense to the day of Christ. You see, if you keep making this judgment on things, this is good, this is bad, this is good, this is bad, and only bring those things in that are good, then in you will only be things that cannot offend. And if people get offended, they're offended because of the truth. And there are people out there who do that. Do not try and order your life around those folks. In fact, live like Jesus did and aggravate them. And so Jesus did. Follow his example. <laughs> That's sometimes a, a fun way to go, isn't it? The New Century Version finishes up this way. That you will see the difference between good and bad and will choose the good. That you will be pure and without wrong for the coming of Christ. Don't really love the way they put the word wrong in there for the, for the offense. I think the offense actually brings over more. But that's how they did that one. Verse 11. Being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are, of, which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Filled here is the Greek word plerao, plerao, to make full, to fill to the full. With the fruits of righteousness. Righteousness has fruits. He doesn't say to be filled with righteousness. He says to be filled with the fruits of righteousness. Righteousness is not just to mo- just not to make you religious or above other people. Righteousness on the inside of you is to have fruit. There should be fruit that comes from it. The fruits of righteousness. Righteousness, I put this in your outline for you. Righteousness is productive. It will produce things in you. It's not just supposed to produce for you someone who does things who's above the law. That's not what it's supposed to do. It's supposed to do things that produce fruit. So because of that righteousness that's in you, you know, you spread joy to other people, you bring people into joy, you bring people into peace, you bring people into healing, you bring, you, you bring people into things, good things. That's the fruits of righteousness. These fruits bring glory to God, not ourselves which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. You see, the righteousness of man brings glory to man. The righteousness of God brings fruit in people for the glory of God. You look at people who walk around and they're, they're walking around their own righteousness. There's no fruit there. And it just, look how righteous I am. Look how good I am. And it's like that story that Jesus tells. The two people came to the altar to pray. One guy who's a Pharisee. Thank God I'm not like him. Thank God I, hadn't, I, I didn't come out of there. I, I pay my tithes and I do these things and I do this. And Thank God I'm not him. And, the, and then the sinner comes in there and beats his breast. And he says, Father God, I'm a sinner. Thank you that you saved me. Jesus used him as an example. Let me read the whole thing to you here in the New Century Version. This is my prayer for you, that your love will grow more and more, 
that you will have knowledge and understanding with your love, and that you will see the difference between good and bad and will choose the good, that you will be pure and without wrong for the coming of Christ, and that you do many good things with the help of Christ to bring glory and praise to God, that you would do many good things with the help of Christ to bring glory and praise to God. I love the way that they translate it. Everything but that one word. <laughs> so Paul's prayer is this, that their love would grow, that they would have knowledge and understanding, that they would see the difference between good and bad and choose good, and that they would do good things. That's his prayer. That's a good prayer. Now you can pray a prayer like that for yourself. You can find other people and pray that prayer for them. But this is how Paul says we ought to be walking. That our love will grow. That we'll have the knowledge and understanding that that love needs to grow. That we will see the difference between what is good and what is bad. And we will choose good. That they will do good things by the help of Christ to bring glory and praise to God. Not just for you. Not just from you to God, but also have this go on between you and others. This is the way that we should walk. What a great prayer that Paul prays. Gives us a great understanding of how, how we can walk and what we should do. Father, we thank you for the words of Paul, for the prayers of Paul. Paul shows us how, so often he shows us, how we can pray for other Christians. Instead of this, these prayers that really don't mean anything or have any basis in the word, he shows us prayers that are based in the word that bring benefit to those that we pray for. We want to see these things come alive in us and also those that are around us. Our love should abound in good. Our love should abound in seeing the good in others. And the insights we get ought to be benefits, uh, insights that show the benefits, the help that those people are or things that will help their life, not ones that tear it down. And Father, I especially pray that we're able to make that discernment between those things that are good and those things that are bad, and that we continually choose those things that are good and bring them into our life because it alters our life and it makes us pure, it makes us sincere, it makes us without offense. We give you the praise and the glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen.